On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we discuss probes, consensual candles, and hot cross buns. So don't touch that dial. The TV Yearbook starts now. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the TV Yearbook. A podcast about the best and worst episodes of iconic television shows. I'm your first host, James. And I'm your second host, Greg. In each episode of the TV Yearbook, we pick a popular TV show from the past and use the internet to find its best episode and its worst episode. Then we'll discuss the two episodes of the past through the lens of today. We poke fun, we laugh, and we debate as we explore the various qualities of these shows. And just like your high school yearbook gave superlative awards such as most likely to start their own business or least likely to start their own business, at the end of the show, (laughs) we will share our superlative awards. Right, Dom? That's right, Greg. And I'm your third host, Dom. So season one of TV Yearbook explored 1980s crime-fighting dramas. In season two, we'll be looking at science fiction shows from late 1980s into the 1990s. Our first sci-fi show was the oh-so-famous syndicated series that ran from 1987 to 1994. That's right, friends. Star Trek The Next Generation. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. So Star Trek The Next Generation was a sci-fi show that ran for seven seasons following the exploits of the USS Enterprise, a spaceship devoted That's to Enterprise exploring... D. Enterprise D. Enterprise D. <laughs> a spaceship devoted to exploring new planets and boldly going where no one else has gone before. Mm. The show featured oh. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, First Officer Commander William Riker, who was also the host of Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. Never heard of it. And in a previous episode of the TV yearbook, I believe he was in Hill Street Blues. That's right. Drug dealer. Oh, yes, you're right. I forgot about that. And Chief Engineer Guy from Reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Chief Medical Officer... Beverly Crusher. It's a lot of action here. We'll be talking about in more depth later on in the show, and a lot of other people. The Next Generation received a total of 58 Emmy nominations during its run and is generally regarded as one of the most groundbreaking sci-fi shows of all time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, while there are several episodes that are considered the best, the episode that we chose was the penultimate of Season 5, The Inner Light. Mr. Data, it appears to be a probe of some kind. Greg, please give us the 90 second or less recap of 90 seconds. I think it's going to happen. Here we go. So while (laughs) out exploring, the Enterprise encounters an old probe, which sends a beam to the ship, which connects itself to Captain Picard's mind, and he falls down unconscious. Dr. Crusher can't revive the captain, and when Commander Riker tries to disrupt the probe's beam, it almost kills Picard, so they can't do anything. As for Picard, he wakes up on a drought-stricken planet talking with his, quote, wife, Aline, but Picard refuses to accept that he's no longer on the Enterprise. After many years, Picard finally accepts it and settles into a life with 
Aline, and his friend Bataille in the town of Resic. Now, in this episode, every five minutes or so, it jumps five to ten years forward. So as it jumps, we see an aging Picard living his life. He does some drought investigations. He has two children with Aline. He plays his Resican flute. His friend Bataille dies. His children grow up. He has a grandchild. He plays the flute again. His wife Aline dies. He plays the flute again. And we see a span of upwards of 50 years. Unfortunately, the planet is dying of drought. But the authorities launch a probe into space to, quote, save the planet. His grown daughter then tells Picard that he has already seen the probe which confuses Picard until Bataille and Aline reappear and share with him that the probe was launched into space to find someone to connect with, to share the life of their planet with. See, if someone experiences and thus remembers their civilization, then they will leave, live on long after they're gone. Picard realizes that, oh, it's me. And then he wakes up back on the Enterprise. Only 25 minutes have passed, and we find out that the probe is from a planet whose sun went supernova 1,000 years ago. They find Picard's flute inside the now deactivated probe, and he plays a Resican full tune as the episode ends. There it is. Whoa. Nine seconds over. Okay. I added, instead of Nova, I said supernova. I got a little aggressive. It was actually a Nova. So, Star Trek fans, please don't write your letters. That's what did it. That's what did it. (laughs) (laughs) So... Let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite parts of this episode. And I want to start with the opening scene because it was a little too much for me to handle. The first three minutes was lots of talking about probes. <laughs> and Why does that make you uncomfortable? Penetrating shields. Riker seductively was saying, Captain, I've got you. <laughs> His new name is Cayman. Uh, I didn't catch that. So I was sweating oh, after the goodness. first three minutes. I mean, if you had to drink every time someone said the word probe, mm. you wouldn't make <laughs> no. it to Picard's pan flute solo later if in the you show. you like to drink, this is the series for you. I mean, the first time they said probe, <laughs> I giggled a little bit because I'm 13 years old at heart. We know that. In the middle of that scene, I was laughing out loud, or LOLing, as the youths would say. Yeah, because not only did he get probed, he passed out due to the probe. So this is some heavy probing going on. The probe is emitting an unusual particle stream. But by the end of that scene, I just thought it was a cry for help. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. In, in this episode, The Inner Light. But when that theme song starts, it takes me back because I watched Star Trek as a kid and yeah. hey, that theme song starts and it, Love the it's song. great to hear. Yeah. Now look, other than you two, I am the one of the three of us that did not watch Star Trek at all. That's because you weren't cool. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the theme song is pretty awesome. Love those trumpets. It's a great song. So... I mean, I was already excited to watch the show yeah. after the first three minutes, and the theme song did get me a little bit yes. more excited exactly. to watch the show. So I was fairly optimistic going into this. As you should just be. Just ready to have a good randy time. <laughs> it's it's setting us all up for that. And then if you're watching the show, you know Picard has kind of a some awkwardness around other sexual beings, all sexual beings. Probe is doing something to him. Like people? Can you define that, please? Are you saying people? What is <laughs> Women? Humanoids. He has some awkwardness around. When the issue of romance <laughs> comes up in this series, Picard gets awkward. And, you know, I think as a 13-year-old boy... Hold on. You identify with that. Hold on. So how old is Picard 
in the show. I think about. he's supposed to be like 55 years old, something like that. Okay. He's a 55-year-old man who just woke up in a completely foreign place, assuming an identity that is obviously yeah. new to him. Anyone's going to be sexually awkward in that situation. What I'm saying is his character throughout the series is this way. This is season five. And so at this point, we know this about Picard. And he finally, he wakes up, he's in someone else's life, and he has a wife who's very early on giving him, you know, the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, do you wish he was like William Shatner's yes. James Kirk? Yeah, just that's, well, no, I mean, this, on every okay. planet? The real shirtless Kirk. <laughs> that's what Riker is for, okay? <laughs> and Riker. <laughs> if you follow the series, you know that Riker does a good job for everybody. Well, then we should be able to send out a probe of our own. Picard's more in love with science, but he does wear that, that modified V-neck that goes deep. And guess what we saw, gentlemen? Uh, Chest hair. <laughs> Yet again. Oh. oh, my gosh. It's not even the 80s. This is a 1991 this show. This is now in the 90s, though. It's more. It's tasteful. In the 90s. <laughs> okay. Can I just say, Picard, his arms were meaty. He is Did ripped. he look ripped? It's just another thing that got what me What is hot. going on with Picard? Because uh, all the other episodes, you don't see him in the, the sleeveless tunic. His arms are, are tightly covered. It could be a reason why this episode oh, was voted yeah. one of the best. Because of the <laughs> the guns? Because of those the guns. Those, the guns. Jack Luke Picard. <laughs> the phasers. <laughs> or, but anyway, so I, to me there is a, a question of, is this just asexuality? Well, yeah. I mean, a little bit further in the episode. Okay, so there's a scene where he's playing his flute. That's what he does. That's <laughs> a flautist. He's playing a flute, and there's a line after he's playing where he says, I'm immersed in my music. He was playing Are You Sleeping on this recorder. You're not allowed to say the words, I'm immersed in my music, when your skills on said instrument rival a third grader. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. <laughs> you can't say my that. My next piece is Hot Cross Buns. Hot Cross Buns. <laughs> so I need complete silence from the audience. <laughs> Hot cross buns would have been more sexually appropriate for this episode than Are You Sleeping? Are You Sleeping? Although maybe... Hot cross buns. That's why I thought it couldn't be just about the flute or the music. In this case, this flute, he chose a skin-colored flute. Sometimes a flute is just a flute. <laughs> so while he's playing the flute, apparently this does a good enough job to warm his wife up and... They kind of have a little DTR, and he he decides he wants to have yeah. kids. Big. Which, that seems like a pretty mm -hmm. big deal. But his rationale was not wanting to have kids. It was more of, okay, yeah, for the last five years, I've been a little absent-minded. So, to appease you, let's have children. And it just seems like the show is saying having kids to solve marital problems is a good choice. It is a thing people do. And I, <laughs> Some I would people say that's not the message we should be sending. <laughs> I, I have a different view. I think it's him accepting his new life. Yeah, it's been five years. He's not going back to the Enterprise D, <laughs> and so might as well stay on the planet. And you know what? I'm not going <laughs> to say anything further about the D. <laughs> Sir, the beam is penetrating our shields. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another running theme for Picard. At least in the first season, he you get a sense that he's well. He says it blatantly, like I don't like kids and he doesn't he's also very awkward around children so in this episode you actually see picard's icy heart 
just melting. Indeed. It's just another hot reason to like this episode. So hot. <laughs> well, and, okay, and so as you guys were watching, did you see that at every commercial break, Picard is aging? It was like five years at first, and then it was maybe 10 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long he finally ages, mm-hmm. but every commercial break you come back and he's got makeup. And he is really looking old. Really laying it on thick. Yeah. Did you guys like the makeup? Do you think they did a good job with that to age him appropriately? It was shocking how good it was. I mean, I think in early on after this after the second commercial break, he's really aging a lot. And his hair, you know, he's bald, so he's got the horseshoe in the back that's growing out. And I thought, well, this is getting a little crypt keeper. I thought I thought of Miracle Max for the Princess Bride. And so but by the end he is just gross and it looks like a three way love child between Miracle Max and Gollum and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> That's good times. And I just could not get through that. Anyway, did you like it, Greg? I thought the wake up at the end when he had advanced like 50 years at the very end, I thought he looked incredibly old. So kudos to the makeup people. I thought it was a good job. Well, this show had a pretty ridiculous budget per episode. I think I read in the the first season, it was $1.3 million per episode. 90% for makeup and putting that Klingon garb on, on Worf every single episode. <laughs> and Data, I mean, his whole body just in white powder. They didn't powder his chest. How do you know? Maybe his method. <laughs> yeah, he's going all out. <laughs> he's super method. <laughs> he's Daniel day lewis this thing. He's like, no, powder everywhere. Powder everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And that's why Tasha Yar and he have the little fling early on. She's curious. I'm detecting a low-level nucleonic beam coming from the probe. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about now. This is not in this show. As as time goes on, we have some happy moments of childbirth. We have some sad moments. His friend Bataille dies. And then, and ultimately his wife dies before he does. Aline. This was one of my favorite scenes. That's of the wife? of, of it, No, it was my favorite scene of the show. This is just good television. Because this episode was really focused on Picard. The rest of the crew were maybe on screen for a total of 10 minutes, you know, as just little cutaways. And so this actress that had to like play opposite of him, I didn't know who she was. Mm. I had never really recognized her before. I had to look her up. Her name is Margot Rose, a very accomplished actress. And I think she really, really held her own with Patrick Stewart. Who was incredibly accomplished. Obviously. And, and so I think just the two of them in that scene... I thought the writing was good. Obviously, the acting was good. Her death, it wasn't... I think about the way people die. Like, you know, they close their eyes or, you know, they always stop breathing or there's something kind of dramatic. Like, I just felt it was just a really good death. Like, that just didn't seem over the top. It didn't seem cheesy. And I I was really just taken aback. Um, just how good the acting was just in that scene alone. You noticed that single tear that rolled down her eye as she passed? How could you not? That was pretty incredible. Very moving. Yep. And then when she comes back at the end, first off, James, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think she just did a fantastic job, like right on par with Sir Patrick Stewart and his performance. And they, they actually made a great couple, like a really a really good couple that mm-hmm. they, they're going through life. They're enjoying their life together. They they seem to fit really well. And finally, at the end, she passes, and, and then they're sending... Can I say probe, James? <laughs> Please. The more you say it, the more I get to drink. We should destroy the probe. 
they send the probe up. All right. <laughs> they send the probe up. I don't know when Aline reappears. And the big reveal is that this is the probe that he saw in space that was launched a thousand years ago. It found him, connected with him, and in essence forced him to live the experience and life of the people of this planet. And Aline comes back. Oh, gosh. It was just, it was great to see her again. Yeah. Because not, not so much Dom. It was fine. It was fine. I don't know. It was to me... No? What? How is she coming back? What's going on there? What do you mean it's fine? Yeah, I mean, tell, tell explain it to me. Explain it to me. She's dead. Did you... He's still in that world. Watch the show? It's... It, <laughs> That's... Yeah. Okay. It's the end of the simulation, and so everybody comes back it's, together. Okay. He's in, like, the Matrix. The whole point was he was drawn in, and this probe was just meant to find someone to uh-huh, I get that carry on their story so that they could live on, even though their planet blew. How up. is she coming back in spirit form at this point? Because it's not real. Exactly, it's science fiction. That's the beautiful thing about science fiction. The science should stand up somewhat. Obviously, there's there's not a lot of that depending on the show, but I feel like Star Trek. It, this show won a Hugo Award for science fiction specifically. He got pulled into a basically computer simulation. All right. That's that's science fiction right there. <laughs> and the end of the simulation is when all of the people he met come back together at the end and they explain to him what's going to happen. It's a whole that's thing. Fine. Anyway. That's fine. This is plenty of science fiction in here. Mm-hmm. When the friend Bataille comes back and says, hello, old friend. I was like, oh, it's great to see him again because he's played by Richard Reilly. Yeah, he's kind who of Who is a... the jump to conclusions guy from Office Space. No, is it? That's not him. It was great to see him. That's not him. That is him. That is not the same guy. No, that's not like, the same guy. I have a great idea for jump to conclusions. It's him. And then he gets the car accident and then he gets $150,000 or whatever. Not, it's not him. It is the exact same guy. And I love that guy. He is such a friendly face to see. Then Aline comes back and they all gather together and they tell Picard exactly what's going on. This is the way to remember the simulation. I thought it was deep. I thought it was meaningful. And I thought it was a great end to complete the circle. Did you all like how that circle was completed? Dom, you're not so clear. James, what did you think about how the circle was completed? I'm sorry. I'm looking up this Richard to make sure. Yeah, he's in office space. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I like how it ended, but I mean, I found it more profound that he ultimately lived more of his life in the probe yeah. than he did in reality. Pretty darn close. I find that interesting. Except in he can how... play the flute afterwards. No, no, no. He It changes him completely. He's playing the flute at the same level that he did during the, at the end of the simulation. And you think and that to me, that doesn't. I just I have a problem yeah, with that. You can still play hot cross buds. It's a simulation, but I do get your Matrix <laughs> reference, so maybe that's it. Maybe that's what it's all. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. The fact that it was a simulation. Okay, fine. But then, if it's a simulation, why is he able to play the flute so well? That's the. I, I don't. I don't get that. Well, haven't you ever played Guitar Hero? That's a simulation, and now you can play guitar. Yeah, it's a little different. That's the Matrix thing, Dom. Like, Neo says, hey, uh, load the karate. Yeah. And he's like, I, I know it. kung fu. It's the same thing. Picard's like, hey, load some sweet pan flute in. <laughs> now we can play the rest of pan flute. Yes, they do. Over time. Over time. This is 25 <laughs> I mean, minutes. Pilots use flight simulators to learn things all the exactly. time. Exactly. But in but but it's, if it's a simulation, it's only No, it was minutes. 50 it's years. 50 years mentally. 
So if you can't do that unless there's a space-time continuum explanation, I don't think. But anyway. Dom, you know psychology pretty well. Can you have a dream that even though you're asleep for, say, let's say it's you're only asleep for four hours? Yes. Can you have a dream that in your dream you're doing stuff for more than four hours? Absolutely. So that's what's happening. Absolutely. But you don't wake up with the skill set. Well, how about this? Can you have a traumatic brain injury and then wake up and be able to speak a language you've never spoken before or play the piano I'm that you've never been able to play sure before? I'm not sure about the because language. That's a real thing. Also, what is psychology? (laughs) Just like the technology gives Neo the ability to do Kung Fu, the technology gives him the ability to do the flute. So if they have technology that's extremely advanced, yet they can't find a way to get off the planet. They can send a probe into outer space. They can't get off the planet, which they know is dying. I feel like too many holes for me. They can explore the deep and dark recesses of minds, but they cannot explore the deep and dark recesses of space. Well, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't get a hot pocket at medium temperature. So. We got seedless watermelon, though. <laughs> All right. So what? Okay, you guys think this is the best yeah. episode? Yeah. Why do we? Why do we think that the fans out there would rate this the best episode? Yeah, I don't know if this is the best episode. This was the third episode of Star Trek I've ever watched in my life. The other two were forced upon me by Greg. <laughs> 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 James, you did the research. This was clearly the top, the best episode of the internet. Oh, I mean, it it wasn't even close. This this was definitely the overall. Wow. Almost every list I looked at, this episode was in the top three. For me. I mean, it was always up there. It's all Picard. And he's a great actor. I don't, as you've already heard, I don't love the tie-ins with the story. There's no Romulans. There's no Klingons. There's no Borg. Mm -hmm. And you don't get much from any other character. So for me, I don't think this is the best episode of the series. As someone that's watched multiple episodes. But that's just me. I mean, I thought it I thought it was good. I thought the acting was really great. And I think it's a compelling story. Like it reminded me of like this idea of extra time kind of thing. Like, did you ever watch the movie First Contact? Oh yeah. With Jodie Foster. It's just regular contact. It's just contact. So, yeah, spoiler just contact. spoiler alert. Like yeah. at the end, she claimed to have been gone for sixteen minutes, but like you know, she was only seconds. On, yeah, was seconds, but yeah. there's like 16 minutes of static that she recorded. Groundhog Day. <laughs> Groundhog Day is, a, is another one of those. I mean, follow up to this. But what, what I found interesting, and I think I alluded to this, was imagine you've lived your life. We're all married. We all have kids. And then all of a sudden you woke up into a totally different life and your wife didn't exist. Your kids everything are gone, how would you ever function normally? Like Picard goes into his cabin and plays a flute and that whole 50 years didn't change him. And I find that preposterous. I think it raises a very interesting question about like he's he's lived two equal lives that are very different from each other and kind of, all right, makes you think, what would you do? But I, I am a little disappointed that the show never really explored that we're just seeing a couple of episodes so you don't see the character development over the next few seasons well i see another episode in season seven (laughs) and it's not a picard heavy episode but he does continue to to use the flute or play the flute 
over yeah. time, does he not? And right? it it plays. <laughs> gosh, dang it, James! Now you're making me really nerd out. But he he uses this story to to get himself a lady in season six, and he tells the story how deeply it affected him and how it how it did change him. But I guess the point isn't necessarily how it changes them. The point Ooh. is, t- James, I think you hit it on the head that he did live two different lifetimes. But it seems like anyone who goes into, in this case, like the Federation to be a Starfleet officer, it's tough to be a family person as well. And ultimately, he has to make that choice of is he going to be in love with science and exploration or is he going to start a family and stay on Earth or something like that? And you know the choice that he made in reality, but this gives him an opportunity to see the other side of the coin. What if he was a family man and he got to live that? So to me, this is a gift that he got. So it's like right. so it's like a beautiful life, right? I didn't see the movie. The old movie with uh, Jimmy Stewart. A wonderful life. It's Stop a wonderful life. Movies. A beautiful life. A wonderful I believe life. is a Holocaust movie. <laughs> so <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. A wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Dang That's it. right. Oh gosh. I should have done more research. Another great movie. It's called Schindler's something. Schindler's. I can't remember. It's just like that. Oh, boy. It has echoes of, as James said, it's a wonderful life. And for me, this is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek because I don't know how you all felt throughout the episode, but even though I've seen I've seen this episode many times, uh, when his wife dies, at the end when she comes back and he realizes that the entire civilization is – it's. The civilization died. Their world died. Everyone died. He's talking about his grandson. He's playing with him like any of us would play with the kids. And he's like, it's not fair. My grandson is not going to live a full life. And that is sad. His entire civilization is dead. And he is the one to carry the, the torch, so to speak, to the rest of the universe and let everybody know their civilization this is how they lived. I thought it was very, very sci-fi in the way that it worked. And that, yeah, Don, you're right. That like how in the world did they have the ability to penetrate his mind in that way, but they couldn't build a freaking <laughs> shuttle to get rid of some people from their planet. Yeah, I get that. Probes. Hmm. Whatever. They're all they're very probe heavy, this culture. We hoped our probe would encounter someone in the future. Very <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was incredibly moving. It's very sad, yes. Yeah. It was sad. I guess, okay, you're swaying me some. Yeah, it's because I'm right. <laughs> Did the music make you all feel anything, robots? <laughs> uh, I mean, the intro song. I honestly didn't either. No, I didn't yeah. even notice it. Yeah, I did not. I can't say that the music, I mean, some of the sound effects, but not the music. Do you know how I know this episode is well-loved? You know that uh, that flute that Picard was playing? Yeah, throughout. Yeah, he played it a lot. It doesn't actually work oh. at all. I did some research. And so they were <laughs> going to sell it at a, one of the Star Trek auctions for, for a really lower starting bid of like 300 Eventually, someone bought it for how much? Uh, the first bid was $300. i am going to I'm going to say $2,500. Someone bought it and spent $48,000. What nerds (laughs) are out there? Now, because James's wife bought it, it sits in James's house up on the mantle. You didn't know. Open that box. (laughs) You'll see what it is. That is a college education right there. Oh, my word. Someone only wants it because Patrick Stewart's mouth was on it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like the title of the episode? The Inner Light. It was fine. The Inner Light. I couldn't think of a better title. Did you know that it's based on a George Harrison song? 
I did not know well, that. Which was Is based it? on the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, it was very Eastern oriented. Oh. A lot of, uh, I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the title should have involved oh. some other words? Like, flute. I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, or probe, or Picard. Probe to the past. Probe to the past. <laughs> probe to the future. Probe to the future. I think probe to the future is a much better one. And then we can get Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd? <laughs> Actually, the makeup job did look like Doc Brown in there. Hey, Jean-Luc! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think so. But before we transition to the worst episode, Greg, it looks like you might be enjoying a new craft soda. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I am enjoying a new craft soda. Every episode I try to find a new craft soda. In this case, the brand is Frosty. This is a blue cream soda since 1939. And I got to say, it's been around for 80 yeah. years. Not as long as the as the probe. <laughs> the probe is moving with us, sir. But it's certainly <laughs> been around for some time. But I, I have to emphasize that this is a really tasty beverage, this Frosty blue cream. But also... The inner light gave me all of the feelings. Oh, okay. And speaking of all the feelings, I think we should move to our second episode of the day. Ooh, this one. Oh, just <laughs> take it away, Greg. Well, James, I know I forced you to watch two episodes of Star Trek before you watched The Inner Light. And do you remember that both episodes were Sub Rosa? <laughs> no. No, you forced no. us. No, they were I mean, technically, the first episode you made me watch was when they go on that hedonistic colony oh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a classic the second one was where troy's mother was getting married <laughs> and hot tubbing with young men <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm also going to say that these two episodes have also been forced upon me because it was not my idea to watch this show. Well, and that brings us to our worst episode, which is season seven, episode 14, titled Sub Rosa. I need you to help me. Help you. It's not easy for me to take corporeal form. I can't do it for long. So this would... Anyway, I'll try to get through this, but it's a Scottish theme. <laughs> of course. Obviously. And Dr. Beverly Crusher, her grandma dies. That's sad. So she's going through her stuff, and she finds out that number one, her 100-year-old grandmother had a candle, and number two, her 100-year-old grandmother had a 35-year-old lover named Ronan, who's actually a spirit-slash-anaphasic organism who lives in the candle, obviously. Obviously. Later, the spirit of Ronan visits Crusher and gives her lots of feelings. <laughs> Ned Quint, who is the crusty groundskeeper, he wants Beverly to destroy the candle because it's evil and haunted. And eventually, the weather system of the planet goes all haywire, and so Data and LaForge try to fix it because of the Ronin ghost who's infecting it. Quint is killed when he tries to stop the Ronin ghost. Dr. Crusher quits being the doctor on Enterprise. She moves to the planet to become a healer to live with Ronin, who wants to become one with her. Cards comes down to try to talk some sense into her. Ronin shocks him. Ronin then brings mm -hmm. dead grandma to life, who shocks Data and LaForge, who are trying to fix the weather. And then Crusher realizes that Ronan never loved her. And she takes the candle. 
and she incinerates the candle with a phaser, then destroys Ronan with the phaser, and Crusher goes back to work. Is that it, guys? I think you nailed that. Ooh, yeah. I mean, just that description is making me sweat all over again. Here's the funny thing. Someone went to, like, the Star Trek creators and producers and said, here's our episode. How'd you like it? And then they said, I love it. I cannot get enough uh, of this idea. Let's make the episode. Well, how many how many episodes feature Dr. Crusher where she's the main focal point of the episode? Two per season. Two per season? So 10 to 14 total. <laughs> Dang it, James. <laughs> what I like is, I mean, here is another episode where at the beginning, it just gets hot and heavy <laughs> real quick. The probe is moving with us, sir. I am not going to speak for you guys, but I know what you're thinking. At the funeral... Yeah. Dr. Crusher. She she is she uh, is smoking. Captain, I want you in sick bay. I'd like to run a full diagnostic on you. I don't know <laughs> if it was just for this episode that, that maybe they they did some extra work in makeup with her. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't really know. But in the beginning, I mean, I think she's just ridiculously attractive. And finally, uh what's her name? Troy. What's her first name? Counselor. Counselor. <laughs> Deanna Troy finally sh- shows up because she was conspicuously out of the best episode. Yeah, as were every, all she of She was not wearing her traditional bunny suit. <laughs> They're trying to keep all eyes on Crusher. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Yes. You got a crush on the crust, Jimmy? Absolutely. Thankfully not Wesley. All right. <laughs> Picked up some residue on the probe shell. <laughs> anyway. I guess not with the minor. <laughs> wait, is that her son? Wait, so wait, hold on. Wesley Crusher, that's her son? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. He's Wesley Crusher, Dr. Crusher's son. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I don't know, but if we keep talking about him, he's the kind of cool guy who might actually come on our podcast. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it, just keep it rolling. So, Will Wheaton. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about his mom here. Gates McFadden, who James is in love with now, which sounds great. Apparently, yeah. Super crush on her. First off, let's make it clear that the 100-year-old grandmother has a 35-year-old lover, and then Beverly is also into him. Not weird. Not weird. And when Picard finds this out, he starts talking really casually about... Seeing that the Howard women have exceptionally vigorous libidos. I certainly hope so. They're just walking down the hall in their, like, dress uniforms. And then he's like, hey, your grandmother really likes sex. <laughs> just, that is inappropriate work talk. You need to simmer that down. You know, the, the series is set in the future, so there's probably multiple sexual revolutions to come to make that all kosher. But I don't think that it's weird. Okay, fine. So if my grandfather had an affair with some 34-year-old hottie, and then died, so he's out of the picture. I what would be so wrong if I was also into the same thirty-four-year-old hottie? Well, that maybe James, weird. by chance, do you have Scottish heritage? Maybe I do. I do actually. The... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that explains it all. So this conversation oh. really went off track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have this <laughs> Scottish colony. Can we talk about Ned Quint? Because he is the local ghost hunter of the town. I guess. And he just walks into Beverly's grandma's house while she's upstairs and looks at the candle mm. 
and like doesn't destroy it right then. And just like, I'm going to confront her and tell her to destroy the candle. He could have just stole it. I don't know. Ned, you didn't do great there. He did not do great. Clearly, they're trying to develop an anti-Scotty homage to the chief engineer of the original series. Clearly? Clearly. And, well, that's my best guess. I don't know. They failed. They're waiting until halfway through the last season of the show to introduce a Scotty-like character. It is late. It is late. how amazing would it be if they made him a recurring character like he requested asylum (laughs) and just every episode for the remainder including the finale and just he would pop around the corner like looking for a ghost (laughs) holding a candle (laughs) yeah well he died trying to fix something well, but that's why he's the anti-Scotty, because yeah. Scotty would never die fixing something. Also, how'd he get in there? Like, Data and Jordy are working on some weather stuff, and then they turn around, and he's got the panel open. He's under there, like, uncoupling things and just messing around with wires, and he gets zapped. And- well, they're on the planet. This That's not on the ship. It's on the planet, isn't it? Still, how'd he get in there without them noticing? Yeah. Data's got the ears of a fruit bat. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> And complexion? And complexion. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> so anyway, but leaving aside Ned Quint, it seems like this Ronin spirit is moving between the ship and Beverly. Well, yeah, we, we get house. to another hot scene where we're in the doctor's bedroom, the candle flickers, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the sheets and her nightgown start getting pulled down by some unknown force. Mm. Mm, that's right. Ghostbusters style. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought about when Ray's stance is being visited. Unbuckled. <laughs> and Casper's getting too friendly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ronan the overly friendly ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the better title of the episode. But then the scene right after, it's the doctor and Troy talking about her sexy dream. Yes. And in part of the dream, the doctor reveals that... A pair of hands. They were moving across my skin. Like a caress? Yes. And there was a voice, a man. He whispered my name. It was as if I knew him. Or more like he knew me. He knew exactly how I liked to be touched. It was the most physical dream I've ever had. The sensations were very real and extremely arousing. And Troy is just eating it up. This is what I found the most interesting is after she just the doctor describes all this, Troy says, I'm envious. Yeah, she does. What is happening on this ship? Are they running out of cold water on the ship? Is this why they visit other planets to refill? To go where no one has gone. How can these two women be so starved? I don't I don't get it. Uh, no, James makes an, a fantastic point. Like, she's the ship's psychologist, and she's like, you know what I really want? Non-consensual ghost hands. Touching me. <laughs> James, you are right. You are absolutely right. Like, what is happening? I thought her, as her species of Betazoid, they were they were much freer sexually than, than humans. Yeah, that was the naked wedding one that you watched, James, that I forced you to watch. You did force <laughs> me to watch. But, but that's my point. Like, how can she be envious? Shouldn't these things be happening all the time on this ship? Well, 
well, you know, it's a scientific mission. But... To explore strange new girls. <laughs> That's terrible. Boldly go where no one has gone before. They do say it every every episode. <laughs> but, James, you're right that the, as she's describing the dreams that she's having, it's it's really... Kind of makes you it's wonder. It's not something that you want the children to be watching. <laughs> no, it's not. And yet... Not at When all. I was a child, I was watching this. <laughs> Where our parents letting us watch this. Bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> when Crusher decides to leave the Enterprise because she wants to spend, create a long-term relationship with her grandmother's lover again. Now, before we get on, here's a little side note, fun fact. Did you guys recognize Ronan at all? I did not. Was he the, the bad guy from Ghostbusters 2? Oh, he kind of looked like him. No. Hmm. <laughs> no, he was not Vigo, Vigo. the Carpathian. <laughs> he kind of had the Vigo vibes. That's what I. That's the closest I can get. He was Dracula in the movie The Monster Squad. Wolfman's got nards. Oh, good movie. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't connect those, but yeah, he has kind of a villainous look. He he also had some appearances on Deep Space Nine. Did you all recognize Ned Quint? No, no. Neither did I. Let's move on. <laughs> so Picard comes down. He's like, you can't take Beverly. Ronan shocks him. And that starts. that's when Beverly starts realizing this Ronan guy, maybe he's not actually a 600-year, 800-year-old Scottish ghost who's giving pleasurable feelings to all of her ancestors. Maybe he is more of a parasite, actually. And, uh, so she runs to the graveyard, and Data and Geordi are doing some science. So they exhume the body of the grandma, and that's when... Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's when the grandma... This, that scared She the is resurrected. She looks like a vampire coming out of that coffin, so... Old people are my number one fear. Oh, okay. There's nothing that scares me more. Did not know that. Well, no, that's not true. Old people are number two. Number one is an old person... That's behaving like a child. That's my number one fear. Okay. I just thought you guys would like to know so that. So if you have to be at a funeral, you'd rather be doing the eulogy than talking to an old person. <laughs> Wait, that joke didn't work. We didn't move on. Never mind. The probe is shut down. But yeah, so Ronan possesses Nana. You know, we've been saying that, you know, Ronan is shocking people, but that is not how they describe it in the episode. In the episode, it's a plasma discharge. Yes, which that's exactly right. Seems to fit the plasma theme discharge. of these episodes. <laughs> yes, somebody is really thinking about one thing. You must come. Plasma. Bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, very spooky. I thought it was a great scene. You know, again, at the end, it was suspenseful. I thought the acting was pretty good, where Crusher is confronting Ronan. Um, I thought the writing of that scene was pretty on point. It was a really good, strong moment for Dr. Crusher that she prefers a real man as opposed to some anaphasic energy source. Ah, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was a great scene to end on. In in an episode that's not full of good scenes. <laughs> I could see why this is not a well liked episode. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well the episode ends with Crusher and Troy. They're they're walking into the lounge just talking. So as it turns out, Ronan, he's just an anaphasic organism. Right. And just mm -hmm. being a parasite mm -hmm. to all of my family members. But he made my grandma happy, so... Yeah, I... Da, 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 <laughs> da, that's it. <laughs> and then it's over. I'm going to go back. I mean, again, Inner Light, overwhelmingly the best. Sub Rosa, overwhelmingly mm -hmm. voted the worst. I don't get it. 
I did not think that this was a bad episode. I thought the acting was a little bit worse than Inner Light, but you're talking about Patrick Stewart versus not Patrick Stewart. Dracula. I think that's going to be warranted. But I thought the... You're talking about good writing versus bad writing. I didn't think the writing was that bad. I thought it, I thought there were some inconsistent things, like, you know, where the Scottish guy is saying that the candle is a curse, that it brings misery. I think Nan <laughs> might disagree <laughs> with what it brought. I'm exhausted. Did you have another dream last night? And he even said, like, <laughs> Nana was an amazing woman, apparently very happy. I mean, it seems like Ned's the only one who doesn't want this candle around. Yeah. So maybe he was like a shunned lover at some point to Nana. It could have been a triangle. And maybe he was jealous but that he I, wasn't selected as the next lover. I don't know. I, I thought the episode, again, brought up a compelling point. So here's this life form that is merging with her and her family. But ultimately, it's not killing them. Nana was a hundred years old, and it's just making them happy. What's the problem? Apparently, there isn't one. No, there's no consent. Um, consent. I don't. Didn't use. I think Nana was consenting. We had the journal. There were quite a few moments where Doctor Crusher. He was giving up the career to consent. It's a manipulation. Okay, but this is a deeper discussion on sexual attraction and how to create attraction in another person. No, but. When it comes to this episode, I think I think Dr. Crusher does a good job acting. She crushed it. It's just I, I see what you did there. I will believe nice. I believe that the writing just really wasn't very good. A lot of Ghostbusters. Her her shouting out things like, My feelings are so strange, <laughs> but I really think they are good feelings. Who is writing this? <laughs> I don't know. That seems consistent that these women have spent a majority of their life on a spaceship where apparently no hanky-panky is going on to any degree whatsoever. It seems like, yeah, some of these things might be pretty foreign to her. It is going on, though. Maybe not for Crusher. Or Troy. She's, a, she's kind of a workaholic. Apparently. It's going on for Troy. I has she to wouldn't be, be envious if it was. Mm-hmm. Again, I think mm-hmm. her species is pretty high on... No, it's definitely not. I'm pretty sure. It's not. No matter how high your voice gets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But here's the thing. Like, okay, I get the manipulation, but obviously it can't be to any extreme because he relies on the Howard women reproducing. Say that again. I don't know. Like, it seems like Ronan can't be completely all-encompassing of all of their desires because he needs them to reproduce and have offspring. Oh, I see. <laughs> Can, I'm, not, I'm not calling for this, but it'd be odd to see an episode 20 years in the future <laughs> starring Wesley. <laughs> it'd be really odd. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I think that's what the episode does break down. So first off, do you all consider this a science fiction episode really no it involves ghosts i mean sure yeah. <laughs> it's fantasy yeah i mean there's yeah. some there's some there's a weather issue i guess but and really i mean it's a there's an alien <laughs> weather <laughs> sci-fi weather there's a weather issue Climate. uh yeah twister <laughs> sharknado twister <laughs> it's a step above sharknado i would say <laughs> Never mind, let's move on and proceed as though this is going well. 
where are we? Oh, did you talk about the writers? Oh, I was not impressed by the writing overall. That's all I'm trying to say. I thought this was a bad episode. The writing, the writing was not good. The way I feel better about this episode is I think it's about drugs. I think that Crusher really has a heroin problem. She's going back to this thing. It's giving her pleasure. All of these great feelings. She's leaving her career. I think the writer, I believe, has a drug problem. I She's very cold. That's I don't know. Like I feel like most women that are in possession of a candle or some f- Oh, how should I say this? A candle. Yes, yes. <laughs> An ever burning flame. <laughs> like would maybe disagree with you on that. Well, yeah, pretty sure it might be right. <laughs> is this is this written by a woman? I don't know. No. Exactly. Heavens no. But she keeps coming back to this thing, but like, it's not a bad thing. She's going to leave her career for sex? But no, she's going to go be a healer on the planet. <laughs> it's not really about the healing, though. Marvin Gaye would disagree. <laughs> and she'll just be a very happy, relaxed woman. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. You guys are not convincing me. I don't understand. I still don't get why this is one of the worst. I think the mixed message of this episode, what lesson am I supposed to draw from this? And there's no there's no lesson. There's no sci-fi. There's no point. That's why people don't like it. This doesn't develop the Crusher character further. No, I think I thought the point is very interesting in that here is a thing that we're we're trying to say is bad for you. This is bad for you, Dr. Crusher. But the thing, it really isn't. And you can talk about dependence. You can talk about, oh, she's leaving her career. But that was her choice to make. And ultimately, like, this isn't something that's hurting her. It's changing her life, obviously. But in the end, like, it's making her happier and fulfilled. And I mean, we're joking a lot about just the sexual nature of it. But I think that's the compelling point is that we oftentimes look at a lot of things that other people are doing and it's like, hey, this is bad for you. You're making terrible decisions because of it. But like ultimately it's it's their life to live and they're making these choices and it's not killing them. It's not heroin. It's not shortening their life. It's not it's it's not giving her any negative health ramifications. Nana lived to a hundred. Yeah, you sound like Agent Smith from the Matrix. Nana was a hundred. Sure, very happy. Very happy. What's the problem? Freedom, free will, free willing. That's the problem. Free willing. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Well, okay. No, she doesn't know she's a prisoner on in this Scottish world. It's like a Scott Hold syndrome. Stockholm. That's going yeah. on. Scott Hold. <laughs> Scott Hold. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if that joke makes it. <laughs> I was about to be initiated into a very unusual relationship. You might call it a family tradition. But I I think I would push against that idea that she's a prisoner. I don't think that she's doing anything that she doesn't want to do. Well, I think the episode shows us something to the contrary, because once she realizes that he is more parasite than person, she wishes for something else. So I think because once she has awareness of that, she wants to take the red pill, not the blue pill. But you're right that some people could 
know that and still choose that. That demonstrates the truth. But I, I, I think she just had a bad reaction. I mean, I, to me, I just equate it with like, you can think about it with alcohol. You can think about it with overeating or anything like that. Like, right, everything in moderation. Like there's there's certain things that we do and indulge in that could be a very negative thing and could be something that really negatively affects your life. But this isn't the case. This isn't something that was uh, hurting her or her family. Ronan is not in moderation. Ronan is not a half-in kind of guy. <laughs> He's an all-in all Enterprise D type. <laughs> oh, we need to move on. So let's talk about the series as a whole now that we've gone through the best and worst. Well, I think it's pretty evident that this show as a whole is the dirtiest thing ever to be on television. The probe is moving with us, sir. The probe, 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 probe. A probe, probe. It's still inside me. The probe is probe. Is probe. The probe. Probe. Some residue on the probe shell. Probe, 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 probe. I'm not willing to let this thing keep drilling into him. The probe is emitting an unusual particle stream. Come. <laughs> I mean, not even counting the two episodes that were forced upon me beforehand, but just these two episodes, all of the probe talk, a ripped Picard, you have flute foreplay, you have a grandma yeah. having an affair, Deanna Troy, both of these episodes were rated TVPG for fear and, i take a guess, sexual undertones. No, not undertones, just sex. I will actually say that, yeah, this is the most sensual of shows that we have watched, and it's surprising. <laughs> I did not expect that yeah. at all. Well, well, what's interesting to me is the the best episode is really about love, whereas the worst is about sex. So in a way, we have sort of romance and then just lust, you know, and urges. As it were. Well, I like that both episodes were similar in their structure. They were both focused on one character, which I don't know if that's common for the show, but like they dealt with a legacy that in the best episode, you have this planet that was destroyed that wants someone to carry on their story. And in the worst, you have passing down generation to generation, changing eye color and producing a family line of very relaxed women. <laughs> super chill <laughs> in the end like i really felt like these two episodes were pretty close to each other i i'm not gonna take that leap but um i don't know i was i honest for me i was disappointed actually uh with really both episodes because this is one of the best ensemble cast shows in my personal library of favorite ensemble casts and we got no data and and no very little data and very little wharf who are amazing characters um deanna troy one of my personal favorites mm -hmm. you know just very little from her um and then Riker, who i think was meant to be the next kind of or sort of the the captain kirk like figure again very little action from him so I kind of disagree with the internet personally on on at least the best episode. I'm I'm really with the internet here because I thought the internet was just a magnificent episode between the acting, the story, the full circle, the emotion 
Like James said, he cried um, when Aline died. Sure, I'm pretty sure he said sure. that. I assume we can check the tape. <laughs> it's <laughs> and as for Sub Rosa, it was just a garbage episode that did nothing. It did nothing, nothing for, for you at all. When it, the story is just absurd, <laughs> so I'm totally with the internet in all of these ways. But I do like the series, and although I will never watch Sub Rosa again. Will not. I think it's a great series, and I think the first episode, even though it's a deep character episode, I still think it encapsulates science fiction pretty well. Yeah. The second episode, nah. It's too haunted to almost be... Looser. It's much looser. Yeah, to be a sci-fi episode, but obviously, as Dom said earlier, the weather system was (laughs) malfunctioning. Count it. So, (laughs) science fiction? Jordy, any progress identifying the probe? Maybe. Here on TV Yearbook, we like to give out awards in the form of superlatives, just like your high school yearbook. James, what do you have for us here? So the first award we like to give out is the Extra Mile Award. This is an award that we like to give to the extra in the background that went a little bit above and beyond. And my award goes to a guy in the Inner Light episode. I think it's about halfway through. It's the child dedication scene. And Picard is playing hot cross buns on his flute. (laughs) And there's this old man in the back who has just a look of defeat on his face. And there's a split second where he kind of gives the side eye, like he's looking to a PA, probably off to the side. And it's just this look of... He's questioning all the decisions he's made in life that had him end up standing on a set watching Sir Patrick Stewart play the recorder. And I just wanted to know, I don't know what he has done with his life, but you were noticed, sir, and I appreciate it. And the funny thing is, he's sitting there listening to Picard pretend to play the recorder. <laughs> There's no music at all. It's dead silent there. And it's just Picard waving the flute. With no shoes on. Yeah. Nothing's happening. <laughs> and he's got a... That's enjoyable to think about. It's oh, a good one. Greg, how about you? My award is, is an obvious one. But it's the most likely to never work at Yankee Candle. <laughs> and, I mean, the award just simply has to go to Ned Quint. Because <laughs> no matter what happens in the future, whatever happens after his groundskeeping gig is over, there is no way that he's going to find himself to an outlet mall <laughs> and, and work it at Yankee Candle or any of the candle outlets because... He hates these candles. None of the top candle stores <laughs> retail anyway. You have these candles. <laughs> Where did you get that? <laughs> so that's the award that I give out. All right. I'm, to Ned. I'm going to give my award. The Loneliest Romantic Future Award goes to the writer of Sub Rosa, who clearly, oh, good one. clearly has some things to work out <laughs> related to. Maybe I should give it to both writers because I felt, you know, that there's some sexual frustration all the way through. But definitely that second writer. Uh, Got wow. a lot of demons to work out. A lot. Or maybe it was after this guy went to dinner by himself, went to a movie by himself, got home, got into bed, and is about to fall asleep, crying, and he looks over at his nightstand. It's a candle flame, each candle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have an idea. Hugh Wilson Phillips. If I know what 
<laughs> was he listening to Wilson Phillips? Is that what you yeah. said? <laughs> He's watching that scene from Ghostbusters. The candle's going. I have an idea. Got my Ghostbusters. Got my <laughs> draft is coming to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is a good one. So our next episode <laughs> after this is going to be Quantum Leap. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Starring Scott Bakula as I don't even remember what his name is in Sam? Sam. Isn't that the go. computer guy? That's Al. I think that's the other. No, it's Ziggy. Sam, Sam and Al. Al, yeah. Ziggy? Which wasn't Scott Bakula? Sam Al. Wasn't he Ziggy. a captain in a Star Trek series. Are you saying you want to watch another one? Oh, yeah. Just wait till season nine of the TV yearbook and we do sci-fi <laughs> no, of the we'll 2000s. Do, we'll do minor Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> spinoffs. I'm just saying we're coming, it's just coming full circle. That's all. That's the only point that I'm trying to make. Yes, 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 yes. No, you deeply want something. It's still inside me. Well, guys, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the TV Yearbook, and let us know what shows you'd like us to talk about in future episodes of the TV Yearbook. If you have extra time on your hands, or obviously you do, you wouldn't be listening to us. If not, please, please, please rate our show. Yes. How do you do that? You'll figure it out. Yeah. Please rate. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We'll read it. Mostly what you like. Maybe implement it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Hey, Greg, did you finish your soda? I finished my frosty blue cream soda. It was a tasty treat. Just like I say on most weeks, I enjoy the soda. There's There's been a couple that I haven't enjoyed. But also, if you're online and on our Facebook or Instagram page, if you would like to recommend a craft soda for me to enjoy, hey, I will not only talk about it, but there's like a 100% chance if it has sugar, I'm going <laughs> to like it a lot. And I will share that. Well, what did you like about this soda? Oh, I, I should be more specific. What flavor of blue was it? Ocean, Ocean. blue. Ocean blue cream <laughs> soda. And as it turns out, the blue was just food coloring. Oh, so it's kind of disappointing that Boiler. it did not emerge from the ground with the deep blue of the ocean. Was it minty at all? No, there was no blue aspect like other than the color, but it was just like a pretty standard cream soda. But, you know, like the big name brand cream sodas, I don't like those at all. This has pure cane sugar and, you know, it's a good craft soda if it's using pure Caribbean cane <laughs> sugar. And this does. Thanks, Frosty. On that note, we're really glad you joined us for another episode of the TV Yearbook. And we will see you next time for Quantum Leap, Season 2, Episode Number 2. Peace out. Peace out.